Dear listeners, are you tired of the endless cycle of fad diets and extreme measures? It's time to wake up to a better weight loss solution with Robody. As someone who's been through the ups and downs of weight loss, I know firsthand the challenge of trying to find what will stick. That's why if I qualified for Robody today, I'd jump at the chance for a scientifically backed program that supports long-term success. With Robody, you'll gain access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market, paired with personalized lifestyle changes. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. Say goodbye to the roller coaster of weight loss dreams and hello to sustainable, real results with Robody. Go to row.co slash snoozecast. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash snoozecast. closer to our goal every week. Your reviews continue to amaze us, and we learn from your feedback as well. So thank you for taking the time to share. This episode is supported by Stone Masonry. Tonight, we'll read the opening to A Float and a Shore, a nautical fiction novel by James Fenimore Cooper, published in 1844. Set at the turn of the 19th century, the novel follows the maritime adventures of Miles Wallingford Jr., the son of wealthy New York landowners who chooses to go to sea after the death of his parents. The novel is partially autobiographical, in part by Cooper's own experiences as a sailor. Throughout his career, Cooper wrote profusely with the objective of countering European prejudices and nurturing an original American art and culture. Let's get cozy. Close your eyes.
Afloat and Ashore, Chapter 1 I was born in a valley, not very remote from the sea. My father had been a sailor in youth, and some of my earliest recollections are connected with the history of his adventures and the recollections they excited. He had been a boy in the War of the Revolution and had seen some service in the shipping of that period. Among other scenes he witnessed, he had been on board the Trumbull in her action with the Watt, the hardest fought naval combat of that war, and he particularly delighted in relating its incidents. He had been wounded in the battle and bore the marks of the injury in a scar that slightly disfigured a face that, without this blemish, would have been singularly handsome. My mother, after my poor father's death, always spoke of even this scar as a beauty spot. Agreeably to my own recollections, the mark scarcely deserved that commendation, as it gave one side of the face a grim and fierce appearance particularly when its owner was displeased. My father died on the farm on which he was born and which descended to him from his great-grandfather, an English emigrant that had purchased it of the Dutch colonist who had originally cleared it from the woods. The place was called Claw Bunny, which some said was good Dutch Others, bad Dutch, and now and then, a person ventured a conjecture that it might be Indian. Bonnie it was, in one sense at least, for a lovelier farm there is not on the whole of the wide surface of the Empire State. What does not always happen in this wicked world, it was as good as it was handsome. It consisted of 300 and 72 acres of first-rate land, either arable or of rich river bottom in meadows, and of more than a hundred of rocky mountainside that was very tolerably covered with wood. The first of our family who owned the place had built a substantial one-story stone house that bears the date of 1707 on one of its gables, and to which each of his successors had added a little, until the whole structure got to resemble a cluster of cottages thrown together without the least attention to order or regularity. There were a porch, a front door, and a lawn, however, the latter containing half a dozen acres of a soil as black as one's hat and nourishing eight or ten elms that were scattered about as if their seeds had been sown for...